Hey y'all, welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations, a podcast where I have intimate conversations with women of color on my couch. Today we will discuss fashion, mentorship, and the journey to being a doctor with my special guest. I'm your host, Jasmine W., and my guest this week is a newly married Dallas, Texas native. I feel like all my guests are from Dallas now. (laughs) Um, Whose devotion to God and humanity has shaped her contributions in life as a general dentist and public speaker. Her life is filled with global travel, celebrating culture, and mentoring young women along with serving her local church. She inspires others to chase their dreams, but also reminds them to serve mankind along the way. Give it up for Dr. Christiana Harris-Foreman. Do you go by Dr. Foreman now? Hey. I do. I changed my name. It's legal. Yeah, I'm all the way in. So she's Dr. (laughs) Foreman and she's my cousin. (laughs) Yes. Like, I think you're like my third cousin, actually, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, she's What's like cool my about? third cousin. You know what? Um, you are my second cousin to be on the podcast. I hope y'all realizing my cousins is fine. I don't know if y'all. Come on. <laughs> I mean, my cousins is real cute. I hope y'all, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, well, thank you for being on the podcast, cuz. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. You can find her on Instagram at Smiles by Dr. Foreman. And she also has a vintage shop on Etsy, East 60th and Fay. E-A-S-T 60-T-H-A-N-D-F-A-Y. Um, and she said sells all her vintage pieces on there. What made you start that vintage shop though? Oh my God. Like so I love thrifting. It's literally something I do as a form of therapy. So um, I've been doing this my whole life. And I guess it's like my group of friends, I would exchange clothes or go to different clothing swaps or there's like these little thrift niches like that people gather in and actually swap out things. So um, I'm inspired by so many black women who are actually reselling thrift and vintage items online and I was like I'm gonna do that too so in this time of pandemic I got time I'm like let me go ahead and try to be legit (laughs) and actually put this stuff out for the masses so that's really what got us started and your pieces are really it's really good stuff too like the sequin jacket is that still available (laughs) it is it is it's on my store on my Etsy store (laughs) Cause I was looking at that. I kept look. I looked at it like three days in a row. You know how you be like, I, I'm on a budget, but you just keep going back to looking at that one piece. Listen, <laughs> we got it for you, boo. It's on there. Okay, cool. Um, well, we always, well, we're going to talk about fashion a little bit more later, but we always start the podcast off with a quote of the day. And you know this quote because you chose it. It's mistakes are a fact of life. It is the response to the error that counts by Nikki Giovanni. Um, that's such a good quote too. Like it's to remind you that mistakes are okay, but what have you learned from your mistakes? I mean, the biggest takeaway, and my husband and I were actually talking about this last night, is just... For me, it's been to just like stick to my guns and stay true to myself. A lot of the mistakes I've made is because I've let outside forces or people influence me in a way that wasn't serving me or my intentions, you know, in that time. So had I just stuck with my gut and what I knew to do instead of, you know, being afraid or asking too many opinions, um, you know, things may have gone differently. Now, I say all that to say, too, that I don't think our mistakes happen just by coincidence. I believe they shape us and, you know, put us on a path in life where we can still be successful. Um, So that's why that quote is so dope because it is all about how you respond. You know, you're not going to do everything perfect. Your, you know, mistakes are a fact of life. So um, you just have to, you know, know how to bounce back and stay positive and continue to progress even if you do make a mistake. So Mm, that's true. You know, one thing that's funny that I really resonated with what you just said is like you let outside influence have a, you know, have an influence on how you made a decision and you being like 
I always saw you as a confident person, you know, very like level headed, smart. How would you and I see I see the same thing for myself, like people would probably see me as confident, level headed, all of these things. But I kind of feel the same way about some of the mistakes that I've made or things that I just regretted. I let other people kind of weigh in on what I should be doing when I felt like looking back, I should not have. So how do you feel like you like, I guess my question is, what made you what in the past do you think made you allow those people to to influence you? when you're so like level headed and you're so strong and you, you know what I mean? Like, so let me tell, I think I believe what you're saying. Um, so I'm a middle child, as you know, I have an older brother and a younger sister and we, you know, grew up with both our parents in the home. We had a very pretty normal family dynamic, um, you know, given some struggles we had, but pretty normal family dynamic, nothing too crazy or dysfunctional. Um, But I think in that there was always this fight for attention Mm. and, you know, all the middle children out there absolutely know what this feels like because you almost feel forgotten sometimes. It's not intentional. It's not that my parents hate me or or forgot about me, but um, my brother being the type of person he is, he's just naturally the leader, somebody who was very brave and trying things for the first time. You know, they kind of keep an eye out on him. And then Melanie's the baby. Uh, our baby sister and like you know she was kind of following up behind us also finding her own way and I was just kind of stuck in the middle of that you know Um, so I think definitely like my confidence came from just you know what let me break apart from the molds like let me not try to do what my brother is doing or try to focus so much on being an example for my sister like literally let me make my own name in this world I didn't know what that was gonna look like I wasn't trying to be most popular thing or you know try to do or be rebellious or anything like that I necessarily didn't have that period of life but I was like let me make sure I make a statement in my life and I remember feeling that way probably in like third grade Mm. (laughs) you know really wanting to just be my own person so I think that's where a lot of my confidence came from is just because I didn't want to follow up behind what everybody else was doing I just Mm. didn't and even now as an adult Um, You know, social media is a huge part of our lives, but there are times often where I cut it off. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't follow everything and everybody, even if it's somebody I like, because I don't want to be heavily influenced by what they're doing or how people are responding to what they're doing. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing that's just, I guess, made me this confident. And I mean, I humbly say that because, of course, I'm still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Um. But I, I am that person that if five people are sitting at a table and four people are all saying the same thing, I'm going to purposely say something different just to give a different perspective. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and it's not to be defiant or to be rebellious. It's just like, okay, I agree with y'all, but have y'all thought about this? Yeah. So I try to stand out in that way. You know, I never, I sometimes forget that you're a middle child just because you are really confident stuff. You are a middle child, you know? <laughs> I'm the epitome of a middle child. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're a middle child. But I was actually telling my mom that the other, like yesterday or the day before, I was telling her I'm the youngest and my brother's a middle child. And I was telling, I don't have a good memory, but I was also telling her that when I think about my childhood, a lot of the times I don't remember my brother being there. Oh, wow. Yes. And it's, and she was like, what? Like, you don't remember... And my brother's eight years older than me, but I also know that just from being an adult and us having a relationship now that he's such a middle child that he just shrunk to, he was just so quiet. He was always there, but he was so silent that he kind of disappeared, you know? Definitely. I had a period of time with that too, just with my self-esteem. And, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily being reinforced at home. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you're beautiful. I don't know if you remember when I was younger that I had, like, broken my front two teeth, like, three different times. So that really silenced me. And then nobody around me was really, like, reinforcing my self-esteem at the time. Yeah. So that was probably, like, three or four years that I was like that. And I hated that. Yeah. I mean, I hated that. So, mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I never remember. I think one time I remember. I don't remember you breaking your teeth three times. Girls, three times. 
That was like the tomboy in me. The first time I got into a fight at school, that was third grade. Um, a girl hated that I beat her to line up for class and we used to line up at a pole. So I beat her to line up first and she pushed me into the pole and broke my teeth. That was third grade. Uh, the second time was sixth grade. My brother and I were outside playing four square and I was, I was no, number one, a very rough tomboyish type of chick. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I'm still kind of a tomboy, but definitely just ridiculous. But broke my teeth playing Foursquare, and then literally within a year of that, me and my brother again, we're playing baseball with a broomstick, and I'm behind him, and he hits me in the face with a with a broomstick accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just being clumsy and not you know paying attention to what's going on, but also just being rough too. Yeah, I've had a lot of dental work done, so. Is that why, you, do you think that influenced you on like why you became a dentist? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because my dentist at the time, uh, as a kid, he was literally somebody who didn't make me feel bad about the way my teeth looked. Yeah. And I just felt like, oh, okay, well you deal with teeth. So like, this is nothing. You're like, oh my God. He was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You cracked your tooth. You want to see your x-ray? And he started to really teach me, honestly, as he was fixing my teeth. And it, it sparked an interest in me very, very young. I, I think the first time I said I wanted to be a dentist, I was eight years old. Wow. And that was mostly from him and just my experiences at his office. So most definitely. That is very dope. I had a very good dentist too when I was young. And his wife was actually my teacher in high school and she was amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. They both were cool. I remember telling her one time in class, your husband fine? She was like, I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why were you being fast? I, girl, you know, I was cool with her. Dr. Carnes and Mrs. Carnes. I'll never forget them. Love uh, it, man. But that's great how that one person can have an, you know, an impact on your whole life, you know? So. Oh, definitely. Um, That goes back to our mentorship topics that we're going to be talking about today. Well, y'all, let's take a quick break. I know if you've listened to the podcast before, you're not used to taking us, um, you're not used to us taking a break so early, but we have to for sponsorships and stuff like that. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking through some random questions with my guest. Welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations. I'm here with my guest and my cousin, Dr. Foreman. And we're gonna be talking through some random questions. So the first one is we already know you have a vintage shop on Etsy, but I know you personally, and I know you've always been a fashionista. So my question for you is what luxury brand is worth the price tag? And can you name one that is not worth the price tag? Okay, so the one that's worth the price tag off top that I'm absolutely obsessed with and wish I owned more pieces is Chanel. Come Why? On. You know, because I feel like it is the most classic brand that I know of. I'm sure there are other out there, but it's the most one, most classic one that I know of that is consistent across the board with their accessories, their handbags, their clothing, um, just the story. Like, there's so many documentaries and books about how they piece Chanel items together. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think 95% of how they were produced is like handmade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I own like a few Chanel bags now. And I mean, they are, ju- they are my babies. They're my children. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the one I'm most obsessed with just because of the craftsmanship and all the work that they put into it, like it's worth it. And it's going to last you. And the resale value is also very, very good. Okay. Um, yeah. And I've never bought any of these things brand new. So that's a tip. Like don't everybody's things brand new. Yes. They're really, really expensive now. I love resale anything. So I've gotten my bags resale. And I mean, most of them were in mint condition when I got them because the people who had them before me, you could tell they kept them in the dust bag. They kept them yes. clean. Like, there's just this whole, you know, there's a whole culture that goes along with it. So that's the number one luxury brand that is worth the price tag, especially if you found a good piece on resale. Like, oh my God. One that I would say 
is not worth the price tag and like we could probably do away with and this is just off the top of my head i would say is gucci i've never been a big yeah i've never been a big fan of gucci because i feel especially now that it's very just trendy yeah and it kind of goes with the wave of um the different trends that come about or whatever people are into at the moment oh um of course i think the gucci logo is pretty classic it, mm-hmm. it can stand on its own but i don't know if there are pieces in the gucci collection be it clothes or accessories that just like stay in the test of time yes for me, you know so that's just my personal i don't have anything against gucci i actually love the little princeton loafers and i still want to get some but <laughs> you know how long is that actually going to be in and going to be a thing I, i'm not sure you know what that is such a smart way to look at it because chanel is classic and then gucci they, they they just keep up with the trend so much that your stuff is going to get old definitely yeah the reason i asked you that is because i was talking to um i was on TikTok live i think or instagram live and i was telling them how my louboutins i have one pair of red bottoms yeah and how they are the most uncomfortable shoes i have ever put on my feet ever in life absolutely (laughs) i agree it's like putting your feet in two pieces of wood it hurts they don't give yeah i stopped buying them a long time ago for myself I think I've worn them maybe twice. I've had them maybe like six or seven years now and worn them twice because they're so uncomfortable. Because they're so uncomfortable. There's that for just in case y'all want to know, don't ever invest in those for real. Um, Okay, second question. Becoming a doctor is really hard. (laughs) And I'm just saying that because I assume, right? But we all know that being a doctor is hard. What's the hardest part of that journey? Or what was it for you? You mean as I was becoming a doctor or just whatever you actually every day is a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Um, I guess there's two two parts to that, though, Um, if I can answer both parts of that, because I think there's different things. Becoming a doctor, of course, like is the school. I mean, you really have to sacrifice your socializing to become a doctor. There's no way you can be out and have a normal social life when you're studying to be a doctor so that's why some people that go to medical and dental school they disappear yeah for a number of years so and that was very hard i went to school out of state in tennessee so i was away from my family i didn't have any one there besides my classmates and one other person i knew from undergrad Um, but we were all studying so that was tough but as long as there was like a limit in my mind like okay i'm only going to be out here for four years like it was a countdown like I was able to push through. So that mm-hmm. was tough. And of course, getting into school was tough as well. Yeah. Um, being a doctor now, like I've been practicing for a little over seven years, which is crazy to say, because I can't believe that time has flown by so yeah. fast. But I think now it's just always proving to people, be it your patients or your family or people that you meet on the street, just proving to people who you really are, because there's this great assumption oh, you're a doctor so-and-so that you're supposed to be a certain type of way. You're supposed to look a certain type of way Mm. or you're supposed to make a certain type of money. Like there are so many misconceptions in society about the, like the actual job of a doctor and then Mm -hmm. actually separating that from that person. So of course me being a middle child again and me trying to go against the norms, like I do not refer to myself as doctor anything when I'm Mm -hmm. not at work. Like I just don't. And a lot of times if I meet strangers in the street, I don't even tell them what I do or it'd be something like, oh yeah, I work in the dental field or, you know, whatever. Um, Because there's all of these like misconceptions about who you're supposed to be just because you have this degree. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to call it a title. It's a degree. It's something you've earned, but it's not a title that I wear in 95% of my life. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah, that would be a hard thing. Well, as y'all can see, my cousin, she's so um, mature because I'm petty. So I know if I was a doctor. (laughs) I'm a little petty too. She a little, okay, you a little petty. The thing about it is if I was a doctor, I think I would have that same mentality unless I come across some people that I think 
need to respect me a little bit. You know how you go somewhere and be like, excuse me, I'm Dr. <laughs> Jasmine. Do you ever do that? Or do you just keep it to Mrs. Foreman? Oh, no, I, I definitely will insert it in the right moment. Um, yeah. I like for kind of people to find out on their own. And then they're like, oh, my God, like you're a doctor. You know, they have this whole like, epiphany of wow why was I such a douchebag to this person who has you know honestly dedicated their lives to the betterment of society yeah so that's always kind of a thing that I let people come to on their own because I don't want to you know I want to walk into a room and be a light and I don't want you to respect me just because of what I do right that's probably a pet peeve it's like man I don't I don't ever want to be labeled as that but yeah if you're in the social climate that we're in Oh yeah, that's inserted, especially with the type of patient population I work with. I work with a lot of um, people who uh, aren't supporting the movements <laughs> that are out now. Mm. And, you know, I'll come into a room and introduce myself. Hey, I'm Dr. Foreman. You know, how can I help you today? Oh, hey, Miss Foreman. I'd be like, no, Dr. Foreman. Yes. Like, because we need to, you need to recognize that I'm running this show here, but I am here to help you. So, right. You know? Exactly. So that would be the one time I definitely am assertive about it. Wow, that's crazy that you work with a lot of people that is that are not for the movement. That must be very stressful. <laughs> it's funny. It's honestly funny. Like I should probably write down my experiences about it because the, a lot of it is just ignorance, yeah. of course, as we know. Um, and these are the people. Like I work with a very impoverished population and it's Mm -hmm. like y'all are the ones who need the most help from everyone but yet you you feel entitled enough to oppress a group of people right it's funny to me it is very funny to me same here and that's why you know I kind of use my comedy to make fun of it yeah because I've seen it and worked with people like that and I do laugh at it you know Sometimes I I would get a little frustrated, but typically I just laugh because it's so hilarious, you know? Definitely. Hmm. Okay. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I have another random question for you. Do you cook? I do cook. I cook a lot too. I got a whole highlight reel on my Instagram with all my little dishes. (laughs) Really? Because I know know your sister cooks, but I'm like, I don't know if I ever see Christy cook ever. Now, cooking is not a passion of mine. Okay. It's not. Um, Spencer knows my husband, like, I, we don't cook every day. Mm -hmm. Like, don't even expect that. But when I do cook, I like, I can cook things that I eat. Like, if he requests something and I don't eat that, I probably am not going to be able to cook it for him, you know? Like, what? What, what, what do you mean he he requests stuff that you don't eat? What? You know what? So far, let's see. Like, there are certain things his mom makes. His mom is a stellar cook. Certain things that she makes that I haven't mastered yet, yeah. I, that I actually eat, but I haven't mastered. So, like, she makes really, 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 really good gumbo. Okay. I'm not there yet. You know right. what I mean? But we haven't, I don't think we've discovered anything yet that he eats that I don't. There's a lot of stuff I eat that he doesn't. Okay. But I've actually, like, I actually have my husband now eating liver and onions. And he never had liver and onions before we got married but the way that I make it like he he craves it now yes liver liver is one of those things though it makes your mouth water even though girl yeah I don't know what it is about that so it's so funny how we have such an influence on our husbands because you know me and John we went we went we gave up meat together he said I pressured him girl but I didn't Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just come on along on the ride okay just relax let, let me try just, it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. So this being uh, us being wives actually brings me to my last random question. I hear all the time that I was a wife before he met me, or you should be a wife before you meet your husband. I want to know what you think about that. And I, I'm asking specifically because when me and John, we've been together almost 11 years. We were very young when we got together. Um, I don't believe I was a wife when we met. And I don't really know if I would have known how to be a wife or known what that meant really 
even in my even if I was single today and we met, you know, so what do you think about that statement? I think I mean, that's a statement that my husband made when he proposed to me. Actually, Mm -hmm. he was like, when I met Christiana, she was already a wife, you know, because his line was because she was married to God. So I think in that Mm -hmm. sense, my devotion to, you know, my Christian faith and um, just of course, I I got married later in life. I hadn't been with Spencer as long as you've been with John. So yeah. um, later in life and gone through some things like my relationship with God was paramount. It was the number one thing on my mind. It was the thing that got me through every situation in life. Um, so the way that he saw me devoted to faith and God, he saw those wife qualities in me. So I think mm. that's exactly what he meant by that. Um, and I think just maybe even in your case, for other people who gotten together younger or they, maybe they weren't together very long, um, that may not always be true that when you first meet somebody like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, they're already like wifey material. I think in a relationship, you grow and progress throughout that and you learn how to, you know, consider someone else's feelings before your own or, you know, there's all those yeah. little things that we have to do as wives. Sometimes we got to hush and let our husbands speak you know even if it is some foolishness all (laughs) the time (laughs) you know so that's something as a single woman you would never dare do but once you've gotten with somebody that you care about that you can see your life with you start to develop those qualities that I think are in women naturally you know we just have to let those things grow and come about so yes the fact that Spencer said that I I immediately thought okay well he's He's a man, you know, so I do believe that when a man sees something that they want and it's for them, they do know that because John, he said he told his brother, like, you know, after he, after our first, we already knew each other, but after our first sign of hangout session or whatever, after we hung out, he's like, oh, I'm going to marry her. They know, girl. (laughs) Yes, I feel like men do know. Oh, and I also have like a joke just about how you respect your husband. Like I have a joke about it. It's like when you're dating somebody and they say something stupid, you can say that was stupid. Like that was dumb. Right. But when you're married to somebody and they say something stupid, you don't put your husband down like that. You know, you say, right. Okay. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Let's explore that a little bit more. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or let's revisit that in a moment. Let's, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense though. Because when you get married, I mean, I don't care what anybody say. Like, I know people live together for twenty years and never get married, and they're like, "Oh, it's the same thing." It's not until you got papers on somebody. Like, it's just a different thing. There's risk involved when you risk. sign that paper, you know? Yeah. So you don't, you don't want to tear that person down when you're married to them. You want to build at all times. Fact. And of course, it's not going to be perfect, but you got to be mindful. Like, okay, let me not single-handedly destroy my marriage just because he's saying something stupid that we'll probably forget about in another hour or two. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to the quote of the day. You will make those mistakes. <laughs> and it's about, you know, what you do next. So, mm. Okay. All right, y'all, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some trending topics, including Brianna Taylor and how we just remain faith during this time. And we're also going to talk about mentorship. So we'll be right back. Hey y'all, we are back. This is Colored Couch Conversations and now we're gonna talk about some trending topics. On today, which is July 5th, um, Breonna Taylor's murderers have still not been arrested. I in particularly do not have faith that they might be arrested by the time this podcast airs. And I wanted to ask my cuz, you know, what's your advice for people out there who might be losing faith that they have in the world right now because of everything that, you know, that's going on and we see a black woman get killed with no justice and stuff like that. So, you know, what would be your advice? You know, that's like a really weighted topic, of course, as we know. Um, And I've talked to my husband like numerous times just about, you know, how I'm supposed to feel as a black woman. Like, 
I think that opens up issues of like, do we feel protected? Do we even feel protected? Not necessarily from the government or whatever like that, but are our black men protecting us as well? Mm-hmm. So of course I feel protected. I feel that um, the black men in my life are definitely looking out for me and keeping me empowered through this. So that's number one, shout out to my daddy, my brother, my husband, my father-in-law, like holding yeah. me down. But I think as far as like advice for anyone who is, you know, this is weighing heavy on them. Um, I remember watching the Michelle Obama documentary. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen it, but I've read half of the book. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, and I don't want to tell you. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What's going on? But the documentary is great because it's just a recap of her book tour. So it's great. You should watch it. Uh, like I've watched it three times. So I just think it's awesome. Hold on though. It's a, it's a recap of the book tour and not the book. Yeah. So she's in the documentary itself. Of course she's talking about the book okay. becoming, but it's showing just all the events that she had surrounding this book tour. She went and talked to like native American students and, um, you know, did all of these other little things in schools or in libraries. It was just crazy, like the behind the scenes, basically, yeah. of the book tour. Um, but it was so emotional. Like the first 30 seconds, if you're not like either jumping for joy or crying tears of joy or something, like, you know, just turn it off because you're not going to get it. But the first 30 <laughs> seconds of that documentary are like, wow, like legit. Yeah. So watch that cuz. But anyway, okay. <laughs> I brought up that point because she talked about um, just in the totality of her experiences with her book tour and, you know, it was sold out. I actually got to attend in Dallas and it was phenomenal, but it sold out. People of all walks of life, all colors, creeds, socioeconomic statuses, everything were there. And she said that this is what really makes me know that there's more good in the world than there is evil. And I felt that to my core and I needed to see that as well, because of Mm -hmm. course we have our own personal biases, you know, regardless of how you feel about the police and the government and the president, like there is more good out there than there is negativity or evil. And I think for people who may be losing faith, it's really time to kind of look inward and say, okay, I may not be able to single-handedly to get Breonna Taylor's murderers arrested but what can I do in my circle of influence to make sure that this doesn't happen to someone else of color or you know how can I be a light or be an example to and just focus on your circle of influence because I think when we look at the world as a whole it's overwhelming I mean there's genocide still going on there's wars there's nuclear weapons like there's all this stuff going on and we can't single-handedly fix that stuff on our own yeah but single-handedly we can change attitudes of people at our jobs or in grocery stores that we go to because it's really about one-on-one encounters so um my husband affectionately said yeah we know you know george floyd's name we know rihanna taylor's name and ahmaud aubrey amongst the long list of people who tragic things have happened to he was like let's focus on you know, making the world know our names for a different reason. Like right. we were the change we wanted to see in our community or in our church or at our school. Like, you know, this, me personally, because I work in the environment I work in, uh, I'm very prayerful about how I interact with certain uh, races of people. And it's because I want to lead the way so that people don't feel intimidated at work, mm-hmm. which is running rampant, you know, that people don't use entitlement as a weapon towards someone else. Mm. Um, And so far it's really worked. And I believe, of course, that's from just the power of God in my life, but also just because I'm choosing to have a different mindset. Because I mean, if if we're all holding our breath for Breonna Taylor's murderers to be arrested, then we're going to kill ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So it's like... So, of course, I, I agree with protesting. I agree with joining together and doing what we can on the local, state, and national levels. Do what you can mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, if you make some real change in your circle of influence, it's going to just propel you to continue the fight. So, yeah. that's how you keep the faith. Is You know, look at the world, but then look at your world and then build from there. That is true, you know, and sometimes we forget that, like, if we do hold our breath for her killers to be arrested, 
we will suffocate. Yeah. We're just going to destroy ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I even, um, one of my past guests two episodes ago was a a survivor of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And even her daughter was sexually abused. And she went through and told me this story about, you know, she had a conversation with her pastor about, you know, what if he doesn't go to jail? Like, have you considered how you will get past this if he doesn't go to jail? You know what I mean? And I think we all have to do that in this case. We have to say, we can post, we can hashtag, we should continue to do that. But we also should consider what if they are not arrested and how are we going to push through that, you know? Yes. You know what? And that also bleeds over into the pandemic as well. Because just like I was telling you, like how proud I am of you doing everything you're doing, you know, regardless of how you're unable to perform and be in front of people, is Mm -hmm. that I cringe when people say, well, once we go back to normal, and I'm like, yeah, that'd be great if we go back to normal. But what if we don't? Right. You know, like, what is life? What are you going to make your life about if we don't go back to normal? Right. How are you going to push through? You know, how are you going to stay connected? How are you going to take care of your health? Like, yeah, you know, all that stuff, I think. And it's not about preparing for the worst. I don't think that's the mindset to have. But it's just to be like, make sure that you thrive in whatever situation it is. Right. And I know for some people, it's not easy to do, but you got to figure it out, you know? Oh, yeah. Because if you're still here, you have the opportunity to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not dead yet. So you got the opportunity to to try some things. You might fail at some things, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just feel, you know, sometimes I feel like we're very, like, positive people. And, you know, it's easy. It's easy to say that. And I know like some people I know it's more difficult for them. And I totally see you guys, you know, but I would all I will also say and I was telling Christy beforehand, every single thing happens for a reason. It's it goes back to the quote. It's like, how are we going to handle this and how are we going to make the best out of this? Because it could be like this. People were calling me crazy at the beginning of the pandemic because they were I was like, I'm going to see you in 2021. And they was like, girl, you crazy. And I'm like, you're really not crazy. <laughs> like, that's a real thing, y'all. It's a real possibility out here. Because I had somebody hit me up this week and they, they're a comedian. They were in their hometown and they were coming back to L.A. And they were like, have you been going to like comedy shows? I said, girl, we closed, girl. Okay. Nothing's open. I said, I will see you in 2021. And they were like, are you serious? Where have you been? I'm not your news. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm watching the news too. <laughs> okay. It's like, anyway, so I hope we're all preparing for that. And, you know, just preparing our lives and to handle, you know, tough situations that come along the way. So, okay. So mentorship is always trending. I just wanted to ask you, because I've had people who think they're mentoring me and they trash. And then I've had excellent mentors. So right. what is good? What does good mentoring look like to you when you go to mentor people? What are some of the things that you try to do? Man, the number one thing like in mentoring 101 is availability. Like if you're not available to this person who is seeking advice from you, then let me just throw you away or let me just put you in a pile of people that I need to network with in order to get the good stuff. Like I feel like you're almost, you know, you're supposed to be a very important person in your mentee's life Mm -hmm. and they should be able to call on you, you know, anytime of course within reason you may need to schedule some things but yeah you gotta be available if you're not available to pour into someone number one everyone shouldn't be a mentor everybody's just not set up to yeah and we just say that (laughs) it ain't for everybody it ain't for everybody it's not because you really have to be selfless because you're giving you're giving yourself to someone, you know, be it advice or in their career, you're showing them the way, you're giving them the stuff that they can't Google. Like, don't be a mentor and you're giving me the stuff that I can Google on my own. Wow. 
So, yeah, and I have great mentors. My mentors have actually all, and they're mostly spiritual. I have one spiritual mother right now. She literally came up to me in the middle of nothing going on and was like, hey, I'm going to pour into you. Like, you know, the Holy Spirit is telling me to pour into you. And I mean, that is literally what she's done. Mm. And I don't care if I've, you know, haven't called her in a while. Like, she's checking in on me. She's She's available, even though she's, you know, would go through her stuff or whatever. She's so available to me. So that's the number one thing. Um, and just, you know, everything stems from that. Like you got to be selfless and you have to be willing. What is one thing, okay, your spiritual mother right now, what's one thing you've learned from her? Oh my God. Honestly, is just to continue to lean on my faith in God and to just push through. Like if yeah. I told you this woman's story, like you would just be inspired i mean she's a cancer survivor like Mm. she runs all these different ministries and works with these nonprofits and does a lot even with the government as well Mm. um but then she's just she's a mother to everybody that she meets like she's so caring and so so nurturing even though she has her own children um i don't think she's met a person that she hasn't been able to give some type of motherly advice to so she's just and she actually never thought she would even be a mother. But, you know, God has just given her so many gifts of nurturing. And she can pour out. And it just seems like, you know, she's never running on empty. Like, she's yeah. just going. She just got it. So um, she definitely motivates me to just push through. Even yeah. sometimes when I've forgotten to check in with her, she'll drop me a line that I don't even need to respond to. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. let me keep on (laughs) you know yeah so yeah she's dope (laughs) so yeah she's dope you know I have a couple of mentors but one is actually my old boss when I used to work at CBS and she's she's actually amazing you know I always tell people like I've a couple of people have criticized me on YouTube stuff, people that don't matter, about only <laughs> about only talking to women of color on this podcast. And, um, you know, that my mentor is a white woman. And I was like, you know, she has dedicated her life to the success of women of color specifically by mentoring them. Yeah, she bring bringing girls over from different countries to help them enroll in college and support them through that and all of that. Nice. I think that one thing that good mentors are able to do is see something in you that you don't necessarily notice in yourself yet. Yes. And she was able to do that for me a couple of times. You know, I remember she looked at me, she said, Jasmine, you're gonna be an entrepreneur. And we were working together. I said, right. girl, <laughs> I said, girl what? I don't know nothing, girl, what you talking about? <laughs> She was like, no, I could I could totally see. And now talking to her during the pandemic, she's like, look at you, you know, yes. and just being able to see that, you know, so oh, definitely. I guess a question for you is, do you have somebody or have you had people that you mentored yet? Like like individually that you gave that attention to? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of young ladies and they're mostly around the college age, yeah. like 19 to 21 um, age group. They, you know, it's not that any of them want to be like me. Like it's yeah. not that they want to go into dentistry or anything like that. Um, I think they were more or less attracted to my confidence. So two of them literally just came up to me and was like, hey, I want you to be my mentor. I'm so honored by that. Like, that is not like a thing where I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I'm literally like, wow, you really want me to like just encourage you and just be there for you? Yeah. You know, so that was with those two women, they both uh, go to our church. Mm-hmm. Like, that has been amazing just to see how they, one of them graduated high school this year. She's going into college. And I mean, her journey and transformation and just dealing with the pandemic in the midst of, a pivotal time in her life yeah um not only I mean she says I encourage her I'm like girl you are like really encouraging me like mm-hmm. you're only like 18 and a half years old you know <laughs> um so yeah I have about three young ladies that I check in with uh different time periods yeah uh, and one of them is also a college age young girl that 
her father actually approached me about mentoring her. Um, and she's, you know, trying to find her way, but we keep in contact and it's really like a friendship where she can talk to me about things that maybe she thinks her mom won't understand or yeah. that other women in her life may not understand. So right. um, it's a, it's like a precious moment for me to even have those opportunities. So that's amazing. And to be able to like, you know, look at them years from now and see where they've gone and just being a part of that journey. That's, that's really dope. Okay, y'all. Well, this person needs a little mentorship. Y'all know we step into the Keep It Real corner to give advice to people that reach out to me, whether it's on Instagram, TikTok, and so forth. So this question actually came from TikTok. Um, I answered it directly um, to them that day because, you know, they were like, can you answer this for me now? But I wanted to ask you, because what would be your advice for this person? Because I'm going to hit them up and have them listen as well. Um, but they said I'm 18 and my boyfriend is 21 with an eight month old baby. How do I handle this? And I I didn't, just to let you know, I didn't know much more about the situation than that when they asked me the question. So, you know, what would be your advice? You know, I would say, you know, because I don't know if these people live together or like, are you babysitting the child all the time? (laughs) You know, there's so many layers to it to that but I think just to keep it simple um, if you're the 18 year old and you're in a relationship you have this boyfriend then you're literally only obligated to that boyfriend in that relationship sphere like if you're the other boyfriend or the girlfriend whatever the situation is like that's it Mm -hmm. as far as the baby is concerned I mean prayerfully he's taking care of his child right Um, I know for me I've dated men when I was younger who had children And because I grew up with my father and my father is so amazing, it's not that I'm trying to jump in and be a stepmother, but how is this person actually raising their kid? How is their relationship with this kid's mother? You know, is there peace? Is there drama? Is there child support involved? Is You know, like who has full custody? Like what is the actual dynamics of your relationship? And the reason you look at that is because you want to know if this does progress and say you end up, having a child by this person how are they going to treat your child um so yeah I don't think you know this person needs to jump in and be a step parent Mm -hmm. at any time and I think that they should talk about whatever the boundaries are concerning the child you know the child should definitely be the priority in a sense because that is the number one person that this boyfriend is obligated to regardless Mm. if you stay in a relationship with them or not (laughs) so um you know set the boundaries on okay these are the times that you definitely have to you know give care to your child but also are you making enough time for me and our relationship that that's satisfying to me so right yeah and then y'all are kids 18 and 21 you know I'm almost 35 and I'm still not ready for a kid so that's just you know y'all play part but Listen, yeah, that's that's heavy, but I think just keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say about that. That's really good advice because I said, girl, break up with him. What you doing with him? Leave him. He got to be focused on that baby. You 18, you popping. You popping. Focus on school. What you about to do? Well, what are you saying? Like, is she about to move in with him and not go to college? Like, <laughs> it. It's so many things you got to consider. It's it's so much to consider. It's so much to consider. But if that's your boyfriend, then let that be your boyfriend. But you still need to be doing you. You're not obligated to that child. What I said, though, is there are so many things to consider in this situation, just like you said, because imagine not having to consider any of it. Break up with him, okay? There, That's an option, though. <laughs> it really is. Girl, you got the rest of your life to be locked down. And trying to figure something out. But you, but you're, you, you did make a good point. You know, if he's taking care of the baby, wants to be there for the baby, is a great dad and all of those things. He has some really great qualities. Um, but if he's not doing those things, if he happens to not be doing those things, that's a definitely a no-no. Because what do you think he's going to... It's not going to be a great father to your child, even if you guys do progress and have a long-term relationship. So, and can you really, like, want to be with somebody who's not a great father to their baby anyway 
Like, Which come on. What's crazy about that is there's plenty of people that we know on Instagram who are with these guys or girls or whoever, and they are trifling parents, and mm-hmm. then they think it's miraculously going to be better just because they share a baby together. Yes. And that's insane. Like, he ain't showed you nothing else. Insane. <laughs> I don't know why people think that. I don't know why they think that either. And some of the most famous people we know, this happens to repeatedly. 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 This is why they have reality shows. Okay. (laughs) Because they just keep up all this drama and it's not going to change. Yeah, it's not going to change. And I feel like people like that, uh, in particular, you know, fathers who are like that, serial fathers, they have something within them that they need to address. Like they have some internal stuff and it's not, you're not going to be the person that makes it different from, for them. So. Not at all. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, There's if that, that wasn't a word. <laughs> all types of words. <laughs> well, cause thank you so much for being on the podcast. Please let, what do you have coming up? What are you working on right now? How can we keep up with you? You know what? There's so many things. The number one thing right now is just, getting my store together that's been a challenge to be diligent honestly with everything else that's going on but um i'm pouring everything into that i have so much inventory so i'm learning how to take pictures of myself with my tripod and they look you know, good sure I, well, well thank you you know i'm learning how to use filters now <laughs> all this is new to me so that's the biggest thing. Um, I am one day going to chronicle a section of my life in a memoir. So that's that's something I've been working on for too long, but hopefully it gets done at some point in the next year or two. Yes. Um, and that's it. And just enjoy newlywed life. How long are you considered a newlywed? I've been married a year now. Are we not newlyweds anymore? <laughs> I think technically. We feel like it, though. Yeah. Because when you're with somebody that you really enjoy being with, time flies period but um i would say maybe two years okay so and then like what is the newlywed phase as opposed to the honeymoon phase like maybe this is the honeymoon phase i thought the honeymoon phase was only for the relationship Mm. i thought that i don't know there's i thought i thought the honeymoon phase is like oh we've been together a year oh you guys are still in the honeymoon phase like that's for the relationship but the newlywed phase is for after you get married Okay, maybe so. I don't know, girl. I don't, I don't know. But all that all that feels good. We're feeling good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just great. trying to enjoy that and adjust to that. So yeah. that's it. Well, listen, y'all, if you don't follow Christy, go ahead and follow at Smiles by Dr. Foreman and follow her vintage vintage shop. East 60th and Faye. And um, if you're listening, please rate, review, and subscribe on the platform that you're listening on right now. And if you love the podcast, make sure to tell someone about the show, okay? Don't be selfish. You can follow us on <laughs> follow us on Instagram at Colored Couch Conversations. We will be tagging Christy in upcoming posts and watch the show on my YouTube. That's comedian Jasmine W on YouTube, spelled J-A-Z-M-Y-N. Thanks to my daddy. Um, all right, y'all. Thank, gotta thanks. love Greg. You gotta, you gotta love, love Greg. You gotta love Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Bye, y'all.